Welcome to Bible Mysteries. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? You're listening to episode 108, The Roman Empire, part 2. Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. Hey there, welcome back to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell. And I'm John Potts, and this is the show that talks about things in the Bible the world does not want you to know. Cool. We're going to talk some more about things the world doesn't want you to know, but right now I want the world to know we have new shirts. Check them out. <laughs> I love cool. it, John. Uh, this is, uh, we'll be launching a brand new logo here, uh-huh. and uh, we'll have new theme music and new, uh, possibly in the works, some merchandise if people might be interested. But um, yeah, be looking shortly for an ad that's going to appear. Sandy, our producer's working hard on releasing a little commercial that's sort of like a logo release advertisement. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, we're trying to make things really interesting. We got a brand new logo. I want to shout out to Fernanda for doing such an yeah, excellent she job. job. She did a wonderful job. And speaking of shout outs, John, uh, like I said, we're going to start trying to do it each week that we can. A shout out to our new premium podcast subscribers. Awesome. We're still looking for your input on what we might want to call members. Uh, we've been, we got a little bit of uh, feedback on that and what we might call them, but um, we'd like to know what your ideas are, you know, instead of just calling them members. They're, they're actively involved in helping us get the word out. So yeah. we're looking for a word that sort of captures that. But speaking of our m- newer subscribers, again, not, not the most recent, but we just want to go back and grab a big thank you and welcome to Jeffrey B, Clay D, Timothy S, Jeanette A, Michael H, Scott K, Lita P, I think I know Lita, uh, Kent N, Jason G, Charles H, Christopher C, and Aaron E. So that's the next 12. Wow, thank you guys. Yeah, thank y'all for subscribing. We hope you find an, a wonderful benefit to being a part of this. And, you know, really, we want you to realize that when we're asking you to subscribe, it's not just because we want you to get the additional bonus content, although we did put that in as an incentive for the people to thank you for subscribing. But we're really asking you to help us fund this venture, this ministry we're doing. And so uh, there's other ways people can donate through our website, utbnow.com, if you don't want to subscribe, or some people like to do both. Yeah. So just want to thank you so much for doing that. It's amazing how much it's growing too. So I mean, I, I had never looked at the analytics and I you know, Scott got me involved in looking at the analytics behind things and since I've been involved, which hasn't been that long, mm-hmm. but I've seen it grow uh, so much from the amount of people that are doing downloads per day to yeah. the amount of people that are listening. So the word's really getting out there. It really is. Um, September it, we it, had our best month absolutely. of downloads. It yeah. was forty thousand, over forty thousand downloads. In a single month, which was our highest month. And then, uh, excuse me, that was August. August September, yeah. September, we're right at 35, yeah. which is our second best yeah. month. It's amazing. So we're, and then a hundred and almost 107,000 unique listeners. Yeah. So it's, it's, 
it's thanks to you for getting the word out and sharing it with people. And we've got more guests coming up. Uh, we're going to be reaching out to more people. I'll be on other shows as well. And speaking of guests, we're going to have an interview soon with Josh Mundy, who is uh, the Josh Mundy Christian and Conspiracy Podcast. Mm-hmm. He's got his own yeah. podcast. Uh, he's a Christian rapper from Los, uh, from California. And uh, we're going to have him as a guest on shortly. So you'll be looking for that episode out in October. And then I'll be on his show, and he's going to do a roundtable with Ryan Peterson yeah. and Gary Wayne, another author of the okay. Genesis 6 Conspiracy, and then myself. So that should be interesting. I, you know, it's one of those situations where I feel like I'm going to be deferring to the superior intellect. You, you, know, I, you know, I just listened to a podcast that had Gary... What's Gary's last name? Wayne. Gary Wayne. I just listened to a podcast that had him on it. Did you? And He was probably on Blurry so, Creatures. It was on Blurry yeah. Creatures, and the content... Was fascinating. Yeah. So that that's awesome that he you're going to be in a roundtable with not only him but with Ryan as well. Yeah, with Josh Monday. Uh, Josh is the host of the okay. show. Yeah. yeah, and Josh will be uh, having the three of us on. And then uh, uh, a shout out by the way to Blurry Creatures, another great podcast. If you heard him on there, um, yeah, I've been I hearing love their show. Wonderful. It's a fantastic show, by the way. If you love Bible mysteries, you'll love Blurry Creatures. And so shout out to those guys. They're in Nashville. Uh-huh. And uh, they've had several guests on that I'd like to get on our show. One of which recently was Mark Carpenter, um, yeah. who talks about he's an archaeologist and yeah. he talks about the different cryptids and things like that and giants and um, it's it's really yeah. fascinating. There's some they, great. They stuff have out a there. really cool show which goes more about. They're very biblical. Don't get me wrong. We we dive more much more into the scripture. True. And you you take that approach with your podcast. Their their podcast is much more about. The supernatural. It's more about the creatures themselves. Yeah. Which is really interesting to talk about. So oh, yeah. If I listen to both, right? I listen to ours after we record it and then I listen to theirs as <laughs> well. So it's two different approaches. I like to, when I'm driving, I listen to them too. <laughs> and uh, there's just a lot of folks out there like minded, getting the word out, trying yeah. to open people's minds about the things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And yeah. that's what we're going to focus on too. So, speaking of those things, John, we left off with uh, the Roman Empire. We've been talking okay. about the mystery Roman Empire. And so, this is going to be part two of that. And we left off where we were kind of talking about how Rome went from its, uh, they in, they incorporated into their pagan worship of Jupiter and Saturn and the other pantheon yeah. of gods, though later worship of the emperors. And we discussed last time, last episode, how Octavian took on the name of Augustus, Caesar Augustus. And that's going to be kind of, kind of become important a little bit later when we start talking about the, the remaining remnants or influences of the mystery Roman Empire still with us today in everything we do. Okay. Everything we do is influenced by them. So we're going to come back to that in just a moment. But emperor worship, in my opinion, was the equivalent of the worship of the Antichrist or the predecessor to the worship of the Antichrist, worshiping a man as God. And that's what Jesus was talking about when they asked him about paying tribute. And he said, hold, show me a penny. And the Uh penny was actually the, the current uh, what we call a penny today is not the penny that he had. It was a Roman denarius. Mm-hmm. And that coin was actually made from silver. Our money is worthless. Yeah. You know, our, our money is not backed by anything. But back in those days, the money was still minted with precious metals. Yeah. And the denarius was the equivalent of a day's wage. And that was okay. a set value for hundreds, if not thousands of years. It was understood that it had the value. So when you worked a day, you got a penny. And it wasn't a copper penny that has more zinc than copper in it anyway today, you know. Uh, <laughs> That's but, an interesting system. Because 
one guy's baking bread all day and another guy's swinging a hammer all day, you would think, man, man, this is a lot harder work than that guy baking bread. You know, there should be worth three of those or something. Good point. <laughs> Good point. Life was hard. <laughs> yeah, we don't know how easy we have it. Oh, I know. Comparatively speaking. So you bring up a good So stop point. complaining, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, if you're digging ditches, I guess you've got reason to complain. But if you work a cushy office job like some of us, then I have no reason to complain. <laughs> well, let's dive into the scripture. We were talking about the, um, you know, the, the denarius, and I brought that up because the inscription on the denarius was Caesar. His face was on, on okay. one side of the coin, and it basically declared him to be a god. So um, Rome had all power at the time that Jesus had his ministry in Israel. And even when Jesus appeared before uh, Pontius Pilate, uh, he tried to uh, almost imply, don't you realize I have the power to kill you? And I love Jesus' response to that. It's John chapter 19. We're going to dive back in here in just a moment. But uh, verse 1 uh, this is the trial, uh, the kangaroo trial of Jesus. Okay. Uh, then Pilate, therefore, verse 1, took Jesus and scourged him, which means he whipped him, had him whipped with a cat of nine tails, by the way. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. And by the way, purple's not insignificant. Um, purple was a dye that was so expensive to make. It, it came from a of a, a secretion of a snail, a marine wow, snail. Okay. And to, to gather those up to get enough to make a dye, to actually dye a garment, was very life-threatening work for divers to get yeah. it and, and uh, to collect enough to make a dye. So only royalty could afford purple. Yeah. You know, today you can go buy a purple iPhone, although you almost have to be royalty to afford an iPhone anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, at that time, purple was extremely rare, so the kings wore purple. Yeah. So okay. he was mocking him by putting on him a yeah. robe of purple. And they said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they smote him with their hands. Pilate, therefore, went forth again. In other words, after they examined him, and he saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you. They brought Jesus in front of the crowd of Jews that wanted him persecuted. I bring him forth to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto him, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. I mean, it's almost fair to say Pilate, and he was a weak uh, person, yeah. uh, and, and he should have um, found, found him not guilty, you know, because he couldn't find any. He essentially saying that, didn't he? Yeah, he's, he's saying, saying I don't he's find saying, any fault in him. But he nothing. didn't have the drive and the will to let him go. He, it was a political thing he was doing here. Yeah, you know, he obviously has a lot of power. He does because he just the soldiers <laughs> whip him, beat him, all kinds of stuff. They're mocking him. Yeah, there's no trial, right? Not really. That's I mean, examining to, to examine means you question him to see if he did something wrong. Yeah. They, they said, "We'll just beat you till you confess." Uh-huh. And they figure, well, if he if he did something wrong, he'd confess. Well, anybody's going to confess if you beat him long enough. What is Pilate's position, by the way? Is he like a governor? He's like a governor. Okay. Yeah, he's a he's a regional governor. And when the priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, crucify him. And that's when Pilate said, I, you crucify him. I find no fault in him. Uh-huh. The Jews answered him, we have a law. And by our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Well, that's not Roman law. That's Jewish law. Yeah. And it's not even true. They're lying. 
uh, verse 8, when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid because he didn't want the political pressure of the Jews to create a problem that he would have to go answer to Caesar. Okay. Right? Because he's got people above him too. Yeah. And when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid and went again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, whence art thou? And where, where, who are you? Where are you from? Yeah. But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? So he's trying to hold the, I've got the power to kill you. Don't you realize yeah. that? And Jesus answered, Thou couldn't have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto, the, unto thee hath the greater sin. And a lot of people read that as God gave Pilate the power. And while I would agree that God is in control of everything yeah. and he's allowing men to have power, I think the power that he said he has from above could include Satan. Wow, okay. Because he is the prince of the power of the air, spiritual wickedness in high places. So there could be a double meaning here. He's saying ultimately God has the ability to give or take any power. But he's saying, I'm I'm thinking he's saying that he's empowered by Satan himself. Because it says, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Which he's referring to Judas. Oh, okay. Yeah, Judas okay. is the one that delivered him. Yeah. Uh, but Satan was behind every bit of that. Yeah. Both Judas's betrayal and Pontius Pilate's unrighteous judgment here, which he's about to give. Well, Judas was possessed, wasn't he? Yeah, it said the devil entered into him. Wow. Yeah. And from thenceforth, Pilate sought to release him. So it seems like he's a wishy-washy guy. He wants to let him go. Because he doesn't like the idea of... He didn't want any part of this. Yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> Even, I think, uh, his wife is said in a dream, don't have anything to do with this wow. righteous man, you know. So Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. And that ultimately is the big threat here. Mm -hmm. He's a threat to the kingdom of Satan, Caesar in the form of the yeah. Antichrist, like I was talking about. Uh, when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, behold your king. But they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, and here's the thing, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar, yeah. the chief priests of Israel. You know what they are just stated? They align themselves with Satan yeah. by that statement because Caesars and the Roman emperors were worshiped as gods. So by saying we have no king but Caesar, they were saying God is not our king. Lucifer is our king. So does that, with that statement from the chief priest, does that give authority then to <clears throat> Satan over the nation of Israel at that point? Or am I just way off base? No, you're there? exactly right. Or am I really? Okay. Yeah. That means that they have essentially, you think about it. Because they would be the human proxies, right? That absolutely. That power. Right? Absolutely. So that very nation, after Christ was crucified, that nation Israel that was in unbelief was set aside by God. Yeah. He said, you are low am I in the book of Hosea, not my people. And they were destroyed utterly by the very empire, ironically, that yeah. they claimed allegiance to. Roman general Titus destroyed the entire 
nation, and finally in the city of Jerusalem in, in 70 AD. So, uh, you know, they were in effect declaring their allegiance to Satan, and Christ wow. had warned them when he was alive, you vipers, you are of your father the devil, and the works of your father you will do. Yeah. So they aligned themselves with Satan in every conceivable way. As far as I'm concerned, they were satanically controlled yeah. and uh, aligned there. So, so Israel's leaders chose Caesar as king over Christ. Christ was crucified during the Roman Empire. He's going to return with wrath upon the Roman Empire and the unbelieving Israel that worships the beast. You know, a lot of evangelical Christians today think Israel's God's people today. And I would argue they will be, but they're yeah. not right now. They're still in that condition of unbelief. And um, even in the time of Jacob's trouble, even in the trial of Israel, uh, during the, the tribulation period when the world is being judged, Israel is being tried as well, and only one-third of the Jews are going to come to through the wow. fire okay. to the Lord. So that's an important hmm. distinction to make that uh, not everybody that is genetically claiming to be a Jew or even uh, faith-based claiming to be a Jew is going to be God's people. It's going to be those that accept Messiah yeah. that will be God's people. And, and he said as much in a parable. I want to share this parable with you in Matthew chapter 21 because I think it's important and relevant. Um, you know, it's not like Jesus was taken off guard by this rejection of him and, as king and then acceptance of Caesar as king. And again, allying Israel with the Roman Empire. And, and I very much believe that this alliance of the Roman Empire and the leadership of Israel is a picture of what's coming in the future between the beast and the whore. Wow, okay. You know, because yeah. Ministry Babylon, the mother of harlots, which we're going to have to do an entire episode on mm -hmm. at some point, people are always trying to say, oh, it's America, it's this, it's that, it's the Roman Catholic Church, you know, it's all these things. But I don't believe that's true. I believe Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots, is apostate Jerusalem. Okay. who is going to become rich again in the future. Some things are about to change where the financial capital of the world will no longer be London or New York or whatever. What is the definition of, of apostate? Rejecting, falling away. Okay, okay. Yeah, so it's going to be the Israel that, that it, evidently a number of things are going to culminate. The temple's going to be rebuilt. Sacrifices are going to be reinstituted. Antichrist will come on the scene. And uh, through him, Israel's going to become the rich financial center of the world. So is that that's the current time, though, right? As well as the years to come? Very soon. Or the future? It seems to be soon, fast approaching. Okay. Yeah, we don't know exactly, but it seems to be fast approaching. I wouldn't be surprised if the World Economic Forum is behind all of this. Yeah. You know, uh, hmm. because it just, you look at the way we're, I mean, what if we do end up in a third world war with Russia? which yeah. it seems like our own uh, government is pushing for They're it. driving for it right now. Yeah. yeah. And if it does, can you imagine what would happen to the two great superpowers, you know, uh, decimation from a nuclear perspective? Yeah. And then what would be left? Well, somebody could step in to fill the void of global leadership. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's anybody's to grab. Maybe China, maybe that. Maybe China's involved in the war. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, what if U.S.? Russia and China and the EU all get taken out in, in a sense of being capable of being a global leader. Mm -hmm. You know, well, then what would be left? Well, who's going to step up? Is it North Korea? Is it Iran? Is it Iraq? What if it's Israel? 
Israel could very well become the financial capital through that mechanism. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know it's going to happen. Okay, yeah. Now, it's interesting because when Christ was offering the kingdom to Israel, they rejected it. And at some point, he told this parable in Matthew 21. I want you to read with me in verse 33. Here in another parable, there was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and led it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And you don't have to go far to understand the meaning of that vineyard and everything else. Uh, it, he's not just making this up out of nothing. It is, uh, it is based on Isaiah chapter 5. So you don't have to turn there, but if you want to go find out what the meaning of the, the tower and the vineyard and the, uh, the husbandmen are, you just read Isaiah chapter 5. Okay. So we'll, I'm going to cut to the chase for the sake of time. But so here's the, 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 the um, householder plants the vineyard, went into a far country after he led it out to husband, which means he leased it to people yeah. to run it for him. Yeah. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. And that's a reference to the prophets that were beaten and stoned okay. and killed. So the husbandmen are the leadership, the religious leaders, the priesthood. Okay. And uh, again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. You know, he increased the prophets. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, Obviously, this is Jesus Christ because God is the householder, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. And that tells me the religious leaders knew that Jesus was the Christ. Wow. They knew he was the Son of God. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. Why did they reject him? Because they were of their father, the devil. They yeah. wanted Caesar to be their king. They were aligned with Rome and the, and the Antichrist kingdom. And then he asked the question, When the Lord, therefore, of the vineyard cometh, the householder, what will he do unto those husbandmen? And he poses this question to the very men he's telling a parable about. The Pharisees, verse 41, they say unto him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. And that's exactly what happened. They answered correctly because he took the kingdom from them and he gave it to the 12. Okay. So a small fraction of the nation. And he tells you, verse 42, Jesus saith unto them, did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? He's the stone. The same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they, they had read this. They knew the passage, but they didn't believe it. Therefore say I unto you, verse 43, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and shall be given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And that nation is going to be the nation that is God's people. Mm -hmm. a new Israel, the new nation that will be born in the time of tribulation, which is why that time is always referred to as a woman with travail, okay. a woman about to give birth, because Israel is going to give birth to a new nation. So in the parable of the vineyard, Christ points out that the kingdom of God will be taken from the leadership of Israel and given to this new nation because the nation that rejected him said they would have no king but Caesar. Caesar, yeah. Yeah. So they align themselves. And even John warned of it if we go to Matthew 3. And we're going to get into more aspects of the Roman Empire here in just a moment. 
But go to Matthew chapter 3, and John the Baptist said these words when the Pharisee, before Jesus even began preaching, John said these words in verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers. I used to think he was just being insulting, you know, to call yeah. somebody a snake. You yeah. snake in the grass, you know. But he was calling them what they were. A generation of vipers, you are of your father the devil, and the devil is the serpent. Mm -hmm. They're vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. You know, if you really want to know the truth, show me you're serious. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And one of these days we're going to talk about those stones. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and is cast into the fire. And there's something very telling about the cutting down of the trees there because there's a whole section of Scripture that talks about the trees that are representative of, of Nephilim. Wow. Yeah, and okay. one grew taller than the others and on and on. So there's a rebellion in that. But verse 11, John says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And too many Christians think that was fulfilled at Pentecost. And they say that you know, that, was the, that was the baptism of the Holy Ghost. True. Mm -hmm. They were filled with the Holy Ghost, but it said they sat upon the cloven tongues like as of fire. And they equate that with the baptism by fire as though it's one baptism. That's not the baptism by fire. That was the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The baptism with fire is the wrath of God. Look in verse 12. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will throughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That fire is God purging Israel to burn up the two-thirds that don't believe. Wow. Yeah. And the, and the world of the satanic global elite. Yeah. Yeah. So now that we see that picture of what's coming and what they were up against, Mystery Babylon has a connection to Rome. And so I mentioned that earlier. I'm going to get into that here for just a moment. Okay. So let's go to Revelation 17 where we see the great whore, Mystery Babylon. It is a city. And the Bible tells you it's a city. So those that say Mystery Babylon is America. No, that's a country. That's a nation. This thing is a city, and it says so, verse 3, Revelation 17. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. This is, and when you think about it, going into the wilderness, you know, that's, that's telling about something. Israel's going to flee into the wilderness, yeah. you know, believing Israel. Um, because if you don't take the mark of the beast... He's going to persecute. You're going to be persecuted. You yeah. can't. You can't buy or sell. They're basically going to come in after you, right? That's exactly okay. right. And and the idea is, you know, we find another passage later where he says, "Come out of her, my people," and he's talking about come out of Babylon. Okay. And they flee into the wilderness. So I think it's like he's looking from the vantage point of seeing the city because they're going to come out of her, the believers believing mm -hmm. Israel, and flee into the wilderness. And so, but he sees her there. Um, Come hither, I will show, uh, uh, oh, excuse me, verse three. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. That's the beast yeah. that has the seven heads and the ten horns. It's the Roman Empire. 
She is sitting on the empire. She is not the Roman Empire or even the Catholic Church. And is she apostate Jerusalem? That's what we're going to come to. Okay. Yeah, that's what we're going to find out. So woman was arrayed in purple kings, right? Yeah. And scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. She's rich. Having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And you can find that in, in, actually, it's Ezekiel 36, if you really want to read it, who the woman is, you'll learn that it's Jerusalem. Okay. Okay. Verse 5, and upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And what you're going to find out is all false religious teaching and idolatry stems from Babylon, from the Tower of Babel. Okay. And it moves forward to Rome and reaches its peak, its culmination in the Roman Empire with the worship of the emperors as gods. Okay. Okay. So verse 6, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration, well, who is responsible for the death, empowered by Rome, of all the martyrs and the saints? Well, it's Jerusalem. Okay. We're going to find that in her was found the blood of all the saints. And even Christ referred to that. Again, we'll do a whole episode on that. But the first kingdom was Babylon. Remember, in, in our in our four yeah, yeah. images that we saw, or the images of the Going four pieces. Going all the way back to Nebuchadnezzar. That's right. Okay. And, and like I said, it, it kind of goes all the way back to the very Babylon that was built in Genesis chapter 11. The unified people built the tower and city of Babel. Mm-hmm. That What they were doing was trying to get that fallen angel wisdom again to teach the mysteries and the occult teaching of of the fallen angels. So Babylon is the source of all satanic worship and occult knowledge, and it came to its fruition and will come to its fruition here in Mystery Babylon. Okay. And it's the the one that's going to, the city that the Antichrist is going to take over and control is going to be Jerusalem. So go with me to verse 7. Same chapter. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. But the beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. That's the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. And his kingdom okay. is Rome. Uh, they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. And that's either a reference to the thing that was in him was in Judas. Mm-hmm. And you know, when Judas died, he killed himself and he went to his own place, probably the bottomless pit. Wow. Okay. You know, and then he comes back. But it's also a reference to when that whoever is the person that is the Antichrist in reality in the, in the future, he's going to be killed and rise again from the dead, emulating Jesus yeah. so that the world will worship yeah. him. Verse um, 9, And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Uh, and the seven heads and the seven mountains have to do with kings, not a city of seven hills, you know. Okay. And there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. So these uh, seven kings will arise before the Antichrist does. And some of them have already been in history. They'll rise and fall? Five exactly. Are fa- five are fallen. Yeah. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. And it could be we're talking about the kings of those four kingdoms over time, like Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. uh, Alexander the Great, uh, one of the Persian kings, who knows, and then one of the Roman emperors. <coughs> Excuse me. Because wasn't there, uh, you had Nebuchadnezzar, but then he also had another king after him. Right, but they're not seven in succession. There's seven in, in, that are notable. Okay. Yeah, so there could have been a hundred kings, but there's only certain ones that God reckons in the prophecy. Okay. You know. So that these seven kings, they're not going to be all in power at the same time. No. So it's not like you're going to have seven world leaders at the same time when the one world There will be 10 kings that do. Ten okay. kings are going to come together, apparently. So that will be all at one time. Those, Those seem to be ten it. will be together at one time. So exactly. So they could be prime ministers and presidents and whatever. Who knows what they're going to be, right? Right. And they're going to work together to destroy the woman, ultimately. So they're future kings, whereas some of these could be passed already hmm. in time, in history. And I believe they are. And so the seven kings, the five are fallen. One is, and the other is not yet. So the one that is could have been whoever was Caesar in his day. You know, okay. in John's day. Uh, and the beast that was and is not even, he is the eighth and is of the seven goeth into perdition. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet. So they don't exist yet. But receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind. Now these are separate from the seven. These are ten kings that are future kings. Okay. It could be what you were describing, John. Yeah. They shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the lamb. They're literally going to fight Jesus himself. And the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. So his saints and his angels are with him too. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sittest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples, and multitudes and nations and tongues. They're, they from, from the people, all the, the world comes this empire, and the, ultimately the, the Antichrist. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. So they're going to destroy this city. And I want you to see the last part here. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. And so you think, well, what great city? At any point in time, a great city could have been the reigning city over the kings of the earth. We could have said it was Constantinople. We could have said it was Rome, Uh, maybe uh, Spain, uh, Madrid, if that's the capital. Uh, At one point, the Portuguese empire was big. Remember, they used to say the sun never sets on the British empire. So at one point, London was a city over. And right now, we're in the American empire. And we are an empire, folks. Make no mistake about it. The United States is an empire. It is not a republic. And uh, um, we could say New York or Washington yeah. is the city. And people are always wanting to call it that. But ultimately, it's mystery Babylon, where the city, the Tower of Babel, that's the city. But the apostate condition of Jerusalem is going to be aligned with it. It's going to be Jerusalem. So they're not one and the same? They are only in the sense of their idolatry and their apostasy. Okay. <clears throat> not the same location. Okay. Excuse me. So these 10 kings are literally going to wage war against the Lord when he returns uh, after they destroy the city. And I mentioned to you that only a third part of Israel is going to come through the fire. Go to Zechariah 13. When John was talking about burning them up, 
and baptizing them with fire. That's found in the book of Zechariah chapter 13. Verse 8. And it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them. And I will say, it is my people. And they shall say, the Lord is my God. Only one third of Israel is gonna believe on Christ as Messiah in the tribulation. That is the baptism with fire, the trial hmm. by fire. All these things come from the Bible, you know. So is this, these people are going <clears> to <throat> repent of their mistake? Is that what this is about? Yeah, like they, they have denied the Messiah yeah. for thousands of years. And all of a sudden you get into the, the seven-year tribulation and one-third of them are going to realize, wow, he really was the Messiah? Is that what this is about? That's exactly right. Okay. And they're going to be the ones that flee into the wilderness. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's and, when, and refuse to take the mark. They won't take and, the mark and they'll be persecuted by Antichrist. Are they only Jews or is it people in general? I mean, Well, there'll be other people, Gentile nations, that don't take the mark and refuse it, but the focus of the Antichrist is on Israel okay. at this time, yeah. Okay. So they're going to be the ones that he goes after. And so to tie this back to Rome and the Mystery Roman Empire, what we're going to see is this is how everything fulfills, and we see just as the Roman Empire killed Christ, mm -hmm. Even though it was in Israel in connection to or aligning themselves with them, yeah. the, the leadership of Israel. And then they turned and persecuted, ultimately the Roman Empire persecuted believers. So will it come again. It'll okay. come around where they're going to force people to take the mark of the beast, worship the Antichrist, and persecute the actual Israel of God. Okay. The one-third. So what were the characteristics of Rome? Let's go back to look at history. Well, they had the invincible military. So when we were talking about the image of Nebuchadnezzar, the legs of iron, yeah. the strength of iron was the Roman Empire, mm -hmm. the strongest of the empires. They were invincible militarily. They were the largest of the global empires, okay. prophetically speaking. Yeah. Now, you, obviously, uh, Rome... Um, didn't match the size of, say, like the British Empire or the American Empire today. But what we're going to find out is the characteristics and the aspects of Rome match the U.S. hegemony now. Yeah. So global empire, their symbols, the Roman symbols, were the eagle and the fasces. And you think, well, we have an eagle as a symbol of America, but not the fasces. We'll see about that. Yeah. Uh, it grew, the Roman Empire grew from a republic into a monarchy and then a theocracy of emperor worship, you know, a worship of gods. Yeah. <clears throat> we are already an empire, but we haven't necessarily become an empire worship of gods yet, but it's coming. I will say presidents are being given godlike status. You know, when you think about the current president is a demented idiot, <laughs> but he's protected by yeah. a priesthood of media and deep state operatives. The same was true of Obama and Trump. Trump is verified almost as a god amongst conservatives. Yeah. You know, it's scary to think about. Well, we have a system where we're supposed to have a system of checks and balances, but yet a president can just go in and write an executive order whenever they feel like it, right? Exactly, and, and it shouldn't and, be true. And what we see with the current state of affairs in our government is that they're writing executive orders that are not constitutional. So they're. Essentially, they've just thrown the laws to the side and yeah. said, we're going to go ahead and just 
wipe out student debt or whatever. I'm just yeah. using that as an they example, don't care. right? They don't yeah. care. They're yeah. just like, I'm king now. And right? it tells you, too, that everybody with any sense knows that the current president is not in possession of his faculties. He doesn't know what he's no, doing. Yeah, well, so he's being manipulated. Yeah. They, so the operatives that control our nation are not the president. Yeah. You know, they're, they, they are the puppet masters. Yep. You know. Exactly. And so another characteristic of Rome was it financially collapsed due to endless war and taxation. And then it was uh, uh, characterized by immorality that grew to such an extent that it was destroyed from within. Yeah. So we are fast approaching... Rome, uh, the Western world uh, matches Rome to a T. Yeah, you know. So let's look at these symbols. The uh, the Roman symbol of the eagle uh, is uh, often found with the little words SPQR, which is the Latin Senatus Populisque Romanus, which means it's the Roman Senate and people. Okay. But it quickly became an empire, and the Senate and the people didn't matter anymore. Uh, another symbol of Rome was the fasces, which is a bundle of sticks, usually attached to a hatchet of okay. some kind. And then uh, the rod of Asclep- uh, Asclepius, I can't say that word for some reason, <laughs> which is a rod with a serpent wrapped around it. That is a Roman symbol that they adopted from the Greeks. The original Greek one was called the Staff of Hermes, and that probably looks familiar to you. I know our, our listeners can't see this, but it looks like a pole with two wings at the top and two serpents wrapped around it. So that's our medical it. symbol. The medical symbol, yeah. yeah. It's, it's called something else by the medical community, but these were the original symbols of the Roman Empire. So when you think hmm. about the medical community coming lockstep with the government after this so-called pandemic, yeah. you know, then, you're, then you're seeing the alignment of medicine and government. So the fasces, that's the Lincoln Memorial. Look under his hands. The statue of Lincoln in the Lincoln Memorial, he's sitting on a throne with two fasces. Was yeah, he the first fascist leader? Yeah. And then in medicine, this symbol is called the caduceus. The medical caduceus is that Roman symbol. And then most people would recognize the seal of the United States. We see the eagle there, you know, holding the arrows in one claw and the olive branches in the other. But have you ever seen the reverse side of the seal? It's wild looking. I don't even know what to think of that. All I mean, it's, it's like a pyramid, and at the top there's an all-seeing eye, and I don't even know what those words around it mean. But that, I can tell you what they mean. That does not look. If you pick up a dollar bill, you can see the reverse seal of the United States on there. You've got the pyramid, like John said, with the all-seeing eye of Osiris, which is Lucifer. Okay. And he's the head. He's the cornerstone. See, which is uh-huh. not yet on the, the building, and the building has these Roman numerals for 1776 there. But the, the Latin is annuit coeptus novus ordo seclorum. And in English, this loosely translates as we announce the birth of the new world order. Oh, wow. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah that's good to know. <laughs> it's on our currency. On our currency. The same symbols. What, what is it on, on the other symbol, which is the eagle holding an olive branch and then arrows? Is there, do you know what significance is the olive branch? It's yeah, almost like we'll peace extend, and war. Yeah, we'll extend the olive branch, but if you don't take it, yes. boom. It, that's exactly <laughs> what it go. is. That's exactly what it is. And if they're saying, they're saying you, you uh, dance to our pipe. Yeah, you do what we say or else you we get the, the olive branch. Yeah. But if you dare stand up to the global elites, we've got the military wow. power to destroy There's a lot you. of symbolism in that. Yes, and that that's back from way way back when, you know. So, let's talk about uh, with these symbols and we'll conclude with this thought. Go to Matthew chapter 11. 
Matthew chapter 11, there's a statement here that Jesus said about John the Baptist, remember, who announced that the one coming after him would baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And that baptism with fire is coming, and it's going to be that which burns up the Roman Empire and the great whore and the, and the Israel that rejects Jesus Christ. But in Matthew chapter 11, verse 9, we read these words about John, for it is, uh, but what went you out for to see? A prophet? Jesus was saying of John the Baptist, Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. The violent take it by force. Satan, through his proxy Rome, took the kingdom of heaven by force. And the kingdoms of the world have been reigning over mm -hmm. the earth, which is the kingdom of heaven when the Lord comes back. But the Lord is coming back, and he's returning to take it back and give it to his people. So... There's a quote I want to read to you from, are you familiar with the name Carl Rove? I am. He was a, an advisor to Bush. Yeah. Is that right? He's a political or operative. He, he, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people think, oh, he's a good conservative. He's this, he's that. He's yeah, all right. over Fox News yeah. and stuff like that. But he, yeah, he's been Did he part die of recently? White. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. I can't remember now. I, if, my apologies if he's not dead yet. But I, he's I don't a right-wing politician from what I understand, right? I believe he is. But okay. here's the thing. This, this is why you cannot trust the two-party system. Because, you know, if you're talking about Democrats versus Republicans, they're, they're all evil, folks. Don't get me yeah. wrong. They're all evil. And some have good intentions. But this is what Karl Rove was quoted as saying. As to guys like you, people in the media... You are in what we call the reality-based community, which are people who believe that solutions emerge from your judicious study of discernible reality. That's not the way the world really works anymore. We are an empire now. And when we act, we create our own reality. And while you are studying that reality judiciously as you will, we will act again, creating other new realities, which you can study too. And that's how things will sort out. We're history's actors, and you, all of you, will be left to just study what we do. Well, it's very high and mighty of him. Uh, very high. It sounds like he's speaking as though he's a god. Oh, yeah. yeah. We create the reality, and, yeah. you, and you study it. Yeah. And it just goes to tell you that he said it. We're an empire. Yeah. Well, it, what is the empire at the time of Christ's return? It's Rome. We know that's true. We can see that through the scriptures and everything's telling us. And if you still doubt that, I want to leave you with these thoughts about Roman influences that still exist to you today in every aspect of your life. The very names of the planets, which are the gods Rome worshipped, okay. are Roman gods, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, all named after Roman gods. Every one of them. And, and why, did, why didn't they call, you know, some planets and stars are called Kepler-439 and Alpha Centauri and uh -huh. whatever, you know. But these names were kept of the planets. The months are all named after Roman gods or Caesars. January is Janus, the god of gates and doorways. Rome worshipped Janus. February is Februa, the Roman festival of purification where they worshipped some god. March is Mars, the god of war. 
April, Aphrodite or Venus in the, in the uh, uh, Aphrodite was Greek, Venus was the Roman version. May was Maya, the mother of Mercury. June is named after Juno, the goddess of love and marriage. July, named after Julius Caesar. August, named after Augustus Caesar, who were deified as gods yeah. in the Latin Roman yeah. Empire. And even the last four months of the year, September, October, November, December, come from the Roman numbers, Septem, Octo, Noem, and Decem, which ironically is 7, 8, 9, and 10, but there are 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th month. Because in the original Roman calendar, there are only 10 months. Okay. Yeah. So that influence still remains up from Mystery Rome. The days of the week are all named after Roman gods. Are these Roman gods named after uh, some kind of some deity? Demons? Fallen angels? Absolutely. They are. Okay. Absolutely. So where you get Janus, the god of gates and doorways, that's an actual being? It, well, it I was mean, at one point. I mean, it was, and it that God, that entity, whether it was an actual fallen angel, uh, a Nephilim hybrid, or a man like okay. Caesar Augustus, those beings existed at one point in time, and in the cases of some, were known by other names: Baal, Dagon, Moloch, Ashtarte, yeah. whatever, in other languages, depending on where. But they all have their beginning and their source. And here's the path, which we're going to discuss one day if we get Gary Wayne in as uh -huh. a guest. The path is Babylon through Canaan to Egypt to Greece to Rome to now. Wow, okay. All the gods and the worship of the gods. So you think about the days of the week. and the you know, God gave the months different names, and they were numbers, and the days of the weeks were numbered. Mm -hmm. The first day of the week, the second day of the week, they were given names. But we've got Tuesday named after Mercury, Friday named after Frigga, which hmm. is Bacchus, okay. and you know, Saturn's day. You know, all of those are, wow. are, are, are from Rome. So go to Daniel 7 in conclusion. I think it's close to conclusion. Let's see. Yeah, very close to conclusion. Daniel chapter 7, kind of back where we began this whole study, and we were talking about um, the different uh, aspects of the dreams and the image and whatever. And in this case, it was the, uh, the dream that Daniel had, okay, the, the dream of the four great beasts that came up out mm -hmm. of the sea. So we're going to go to um, Daniel chapter 7, verse 15. We'll start there. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit, in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by. We've already talked a little bit about the dream. Now we're going to get the interpretation. Okay. So, uh, and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which shall arise out of the earth. And, and obviously, there are four kings, but there were more than one king in each kingdom. So each one has a notable king. Okay. Nebuchadnezzar, one of them, you know. Uh, but the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. So the good news is it has a happy ending okay. for believers. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured break in pieces and stamped the residue with his feet. And the iron tells me again, the fourth beast is Rome. Yeah. And in this case, mystery Rome. Verse 20, and the 10 horns that were in his head 
and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. And that's a picture of the Antichrist yeah. in the days of the ten kings. Verse 21, I beheld in the same horn <laughs> made war with the saints and prevailed against them. And so this is going to be the persecution of believers in the tribulation. Until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. So we're going to ultimately take the kingdom back. Okay. Christ said the meek shall inherit the earth. He wasn't joking. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And that's what's happening now. America is mystery Rome's proxy for now. Yeah. And if we go down, another one will take its place. And the ten horns out of his kingdom are ten kings that shall arise. And another shall rise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times in the dividing of time. And that's three and a half years. When I think of changing times and laws, I think of, I mean, we write new laws all the time. Mm -hmm. But these must be times and laws that refer to God. And I think about they're changing things like the definition of a man or a woman. Or the very, you know, the yeah. very idea of time itself. You know, I think they're going to step into that realm of, CERN and portals and whatnot. I think we're talking wow. about laws of physics, you know, uh, and laws of God. Verse 26, but the judgment shall sit. In other words, that the kingdom would be destroyed and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it unto the end, which is that last king, Antichrist, the final Caesar. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. So Daniel foretold of the destruction of mystery Rome and of the second coming of Jesus Christ, and the saints will be given the kingdom. So the good news is no matter how bad things look right now, and they're getting worse every day, mystery Rome is growing, and it is going to bring about the culmination well, of can, the rise of the Antichrist. Can I ask you one question? I know yeah. we're a little bit over. That's okay. Back in verse 23 of what you just read, it said, Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom mm -hmm. upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms. Does that mean that that kingdom shall be diverse from all kingdoms? So it's a kingdom that's made up of all many countries or many kingdoms on the earth. So, for example, the United States and the empire that is the United States plus NATO and I'm just, you know, throwing out ideas there. Is that what that's referring to? Well, diverse yeah. means different. Yeah. So different from all others. And so it's not, a, it's not a measure of the diversity necessarily of how inclusive they are yeah, or yeah. whatever. As we use diversity today, it's talking about it's different from all others. And it's going to be different to me. And you're, you're, t you're touching on that whole subject we discussed about the iron and the clay yeah, and the Nephilim coming together. I think what's going to make them different is in them is going to be the power of the iron, which has to do with this. That's the kingdom when the fallen angels come. Wow. Out. Okay. That's what that's telling me. 
you know, hmm. which gets us into the whole issue about the alien deception and the fallen angels are going to claim to be UFO extraterrestrials yeah. or something like that. So stay tuned for more on that because we're going to discuss those things and awesome. ongoing with guests. And uh, I, I mean, that, there is such a connection to the UFO phenomenon and the end times prophecies. To me, it's unmistakable. Yeah. And we'll post links to all these sites that we met. And, and if you want to see the pictures that we were showing about the uh, symbols and the fasces okay. and the Lincoln Memorial, we're gonna, I'm going to have all those links that you can click on in the show notes. Because obviously people, if they're driving, I don't want you to stop and try to yeah. look at a video. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're not going to be in the video anyway. So, uh, yeah. They're probably um, copyrighted symbols that we'll get in trouble if we put them in our... We're going to get kicked off of some platform yeah. again. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they're going to find some excuse for something I've said to kick us off. And speaking of platforms, we remember we're across uh, uh, multiple platforms now. And besides YouTube, we're on Rumble. We're on Facebook. We're on Truth Social. Uh, and... Uh, and uh, Instagram, okay, and uh, we started posting some things on TikTok. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we're going to try to get the word out to as many people as follows. And like I said, be looking for a uh, a launch of our new logos, our new artwork, our icons, and that might include some uh, things like these shirts. Some, maybe some apparel down the road. Yeah, something. Which like is that. good because I wanted to mention that this is a nonprofit organization, right? Um, we continually ask for subscribers, mm -hmm. but when we ask for subscribers, we're using the money to make this a better program, right? Yeah. We have new microphones above us. We have a new camera in front of us. Yep. We've uh, revamped the logo. We're yeah. going to put it into, it's always about reinvesting into spreading the word of God more and more out there. And part of that is to help get Scott into a full-time capacity of doing this yeah if we can do that well, there's so many more things we want to get to yeah. with the time we have left and more guest interviews travels things like that uh, whatever the lord might open whatever that door is so thank you for that john and mm -hmm. also keep in mind that the umbrella organization for bible mysteries is utbnow.com that is a 501c3 nonprofit, so yeah. you can donate to that so you know even the even the subscription for premium bible podcast all those funds go into that ministry you know that's not my personal income or anything that's uh, uh we we might get paid a little bit of money to do the work that we do but believe me we we work full-time jobs right yeah. now uh because there's there's not nearly a sufficiency there to do what we would do if we went full time so that's the goal and that's the prayer but it's whatever the Lord wants exactly yeah so thanks for listening again today we'll see you next time thank you for listening today if you like what you heard share it with a friend if you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com.